God bless and welcome to this week's episode of Family Discussion. We are so glad that you've joined us today. Family Discussion is a podcast of Reform Margins, a site dedicated to providing a platform for people of color to engage the larger Reformed and Evangelical conversations. Jesus teaches us in the Gospel of John that the world will know that we are his followers by the way that we love one another. And yet it seems like the love of Jesus is less and less evident in the way that we speak to and about one another, especially when we disagree. So, in the hopes of recapturing the brother-sister love that Jesus has won for us, we are calling a family meeting. For the next half hour, let's cut through the noise and look at the issues without slander and malice. It's time for a family discussion. Well, God bless and welcome to another episode of Family Discussion. My name is Marcus Ortega. I'm a pastor up in upstate New York. And as always, I am joined by Virginia's one and only Lisa Spencer. Lisa, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Marcos. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I am. Uh, I'm glad we're doing this season. Episode two. It's, it's exciting to be doing this on a regular basis again. Uh, took a lot of time off during COVID, but it's good to be chatting again. Yes, absolutely. So we started this season uh, kind of a, with an introductory episode, informing all of our listeners that, hey, we're going to spend really the whole season talking about social justice um, and particularly the issues of race and racism, ethnicity, uh, justice, all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's a full season. It is a uh, potentially contentious season, not necessarily because we're going to be going after each other. I mean, if listeners are waiting for a big brawl to break out, they're going to be waiting a long time. Um, but because this is such a difficult and touchy subject. Um, and so we're, we're diving into this, and, and what we're going to talk about today really is the motivation behind uh, these conversations not just the motivation, but also the guardrails. It's the same thing. It's a motivation and our guardrails for this conversation. So Lisa, when you come to this conversation, kind of what is the thing that is driving you forward? What, what's the, what should be the motivation behind all of our conversations about social justice, all those debates, all of these conversations? Right. Well, you know, of course, our starting point is God. Our starting point is the fact that he is the creator of the universe he created everything. He, because of the fall, he sent out. He he sent uh, out for this rescue plan, right? One of the underlying themes in the scripture is, "I will be your God, you will be my people," and so he has created a people for himself. And those people are not just to, you know, yes, to love him, to worship him but also to reflect his glory, to reflect his purpose on earth. And that's why I say when we look at the Bible, we have to start with Genesis 1, not Genesis 3. So, you know, so yes, we are we are citizens of, a, of another kingdom, but we also have to operate within the realm of this one in a way that reflects that relationship, that priority, of God, of who he is, and what he has done through his son for us. Absolutely. So, you know, so when we look at the motivation, it's, okay, how are we, you know, to, to coin Schaefer's, um, you know, title, how, how then shall we live, 
right? Yeah. How, you know, how do we live as ambassadors of Christ? And that's where I think you really see some of the conflict coming in. I know later on we're going to talk about, you know, how our biblical theology is shaped, what influences it. Um, but I think that's where you see the difference. But I think it's important to note that, you know, yes, these conversations can be contentious. Yes, there are differing perspectives. But if we are, if we see first that the person on the other end for whom we disagree is actually looking through the lens of a kingdom ethic, right? What does it mean to love God and love neighbor? And if we start there and not be so quick to say, no, they're not, they are you know, um, you know, operating in a way that denies the sufficiency of scripture. They are um, operating according to the flesh. I mean, yeah, it's in some cases, you know, sometimes that is the case. But if that's where we automatically go without giving people the benefit of the doubt, then, you know, then we really, we need to assess. And this is why I say that, you know, love, we, you know, we talked about this before recording that love has to govern are these conversations. And I go to 1 Corinthians 13, 4 to 7. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things hopes all things, endures all things. So if we operate under the premise that, hey, that person who sees things differently and I do, maybe it's because they really do love God and they really want to, you know, they really want to, to express that in a way that how they're interpreting um, scripture, how they're interpreting what that means as citizens of, you know, of, another kingdom, but how we operate in this one. Um, and so not, you know, it's giving people the benefit of the doubt. Um, I think one of the things that has made this, these conversations so ugly, especially on social media, especially on Twitter, you know, you have the takedowns, the screenshots. Oh, look, this, look how this person is, um, you know, tearing up scripture and, you know, and just cutting, you know, cutting one another down. Well, okay, let, let's hear them out a little bit. Where where are they actually coming from? And there are times when I've, you know, I mean, I've gotten pushback for some disagreement that I've had, some critiques that, you know, that I've levied against other brothers and sisters in Christ, you know, saying, well, you know, one, one time there was an accusation I wasn't reading it charitably. I'm like, dude, I am reading it charitably. It's like I'm reading what I'm reading. Um, but at the same time, it's, re it's really seeking to understand where the other person is coming from and not being so quick with the swift judgments. Well, I think that's key, right? It's, it's, assuming the best about the other person who disagrees with you, not assuming the worst. Um, this is especially important. I mean, that's important even if they're not a believer, mm -hmm. right? It's, it, but it's especially important within the household of faith. And, and I think it's because of a, 
because we come to such contentious topics like racism, poverty, classism, all of these isms, when we get to such difficult hot button topics, it can be very easy to assume that if somebody disagrees with you, they don't love as well as you. They're not as faithful as love as as you are. Um, they don't care about the primacy of the gospel the way you do. There's all kinds of different accusations that can get levied. Um, we can be we we had this conversation a while ago, right? The narrow and broad gospels, um, and we can be assuming people are not not preaching the fullness of the gospel, or we can assume that people are deviating from the gospel, wherever it is we're coming from these conversations. And when the accusations of false gospel and heresy and, um, you know, the ones that I hear often, you know, cultural Marxism and your social justice warrior and the world liberal, the word liberalism thrown around like it doesn't actually have a definition, um, you know, all of these things that are tossed around um, are unbecoming of the believer. Um, and so I like that you started going back to Genesis 1 and saying this is about God first. Um, and, and this is about what Anthony Bradley would call cosmic redemption, right? That it's, it's not just about the, the redemption of individuals, but the redemption of the whole of the cosmos. Um, that God is doing this incredible massive work through Jesus Christ. And that helps provide the framework. The whole of the scriptures, not starting in three, but starting in one, provides the framework for these conversations. And it has to do with the character of God, which is why I, I tend to think when, I, when we're having these conversations, I go to First John, uh, a, a book that is um, that shot through with the uh, commands to love one another, to think best of one another. I mean, you have these actually kind of difficult things to hear. Um, this is how we know, this is in chapter three, this is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. I mean, that's a pretty stark contrast. Um, anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child, okay, nor is anyone who does not love their brother and sister. So he's saying they're a violation of love it indicates that you are at least not in that moment operating as a child of God, but rather operating as a child of the devil. Um, because this comes back to the very character of God in chapter 4. Let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. Our conversations and even the two great commandments to love God and to love neighbor are rooted in the very character of God. He is love. And, and we ought to be reflecting who he is when we have these discussions. Right. Amen. You know, and I think that there is another motivation, too, with, with respect to that. And, well, there's, there's two things I want to say about that in terms of motivation. So one is make sure when we say... Yeah, especially, when, you know, if you've been a Christian for a long time, of course, you're going to say, well, you know, I'm motivated by the love of God. Right. I'm motivated by um, by a correct, uh, you know, to articulate his character and he, what he has revealed to us um, as correctly as possible. Right. Presbyterians are really good for that. Um, <laughs> um, Decently we, in good order, we man. Stand in good order, we like talk, you know, stand first in line. Yeah, check checking that box. <laughs> um, 
But we need to be careful because it, I have found even in my own life, in my own heart, um, and also observing others, we can slip into what's right, how we think rightly about God, how we think rightly about his plan of redemption. Can It can easily slip into, I must be right, right? And when you think about it, it's, you know, our faith is, it's personal to us, right? I mean, we know that God has redeemed us, that, you know, through Christ there's a redemption and forgiveness of sins. We were before, uh, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And we have been reconciled to the Father through him. And that is deeply, deeply personal to us. And how we think about that, right? And, it, and especially if you're really taking God's word serious, and, you know, you're like, hey, I want to be committed to scripture. Um, and, you know, what that says now, there are areas where we're not interpreting it the same way, right? There are essentials that must, you know, that we must come to the right conclusion about who God is, what he has done through the son, how we are reconciled to the father how he is going to wrap up his his program, right? With the bodily resurrection and the uh, abolition of death and, you know, consummating all that he started in Genesis 1. I mean, there's certain things we must believe. We must interpret sure. um, the same way. But at the same time, when you look at the swatch of, you know, the, the 66 books and the narrative and what that means for how we live life out, yeah, sometimes we're going to come to different conclusions and we need to like kind of give people leeway for that. Um, but, you know, all that to say is that, you know, we can slip into, because it's so personal to us, it being an affront, right? If somebody disagrees, if somebody's not seeing eye to eye on how we are interpreting the application of scripture to living, you know, how we live and live this life, it can become an affront. And, and, you know, and it's under, it can, it's under the guise of they're not seeing God the way, you know, they're not seeing him properly. They're not, it really, sometimes it comes down to they don't love God like I do, you know, and it's an, it's an issue of pride. And it's really something we have to check our hearts on. I think there's, you know, those are kind of the two charges, right? Either you don't love God as well as I do, or you don't love your neighbor as yes. well as I do. And I think these are the two. And, and I'll be honest, these are these are difficult things. We, I mean, we can sit here and intellectually and spiritually agree, of course, we shouldn't do this. But it becomes very difficult when the rubber meets the mm -hmm. road. You know, when, um, you know, this is something I'll, I'll kind of speak, uh, I think, maybe we can do it this. I'll speak a little bit to the way that I've been spoken to by conservatives and you can speak a little bit maybe to the way that you've been spoken to liberals right but the charge to me is commonly you don't hold um the gospel you don't hold uh your relationship with christ you don't hold the primacy of the scriptures and the infallibility of scriptures high enough you know that you, these things that i think are the most important things in the world i'm accused of not believing them um, because I also believe in pursuing racial justice, pursuing this, pursuing that. And, and I think where that becomes very difficult is, um, one, 
It's the assumption that my desire for these social things somehow negates my commitment to the gospel rather than flows out of my commitment to the gospel. That's assumption one. But where I can fall short is when I hear all of this, but I don't hear neighbor love coming from the critic. And I'm going, well, listen, here's what I'm trying to do. I know what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to love God and love neighbor. I'm hearing a lot of you don't love God, you don't love God. But my, my immediate thought is, and if I'm honest, I'm like, why don't you love your neighbor well? Well, at least if we disagree, can we at least say there's a common goal? Like, are we talking two different paths the same? But sometimes, I'll be honest, it's difficult to see how those who are throwing these accusations mm-hmm. at me are also trying to love their black brothers and sisters, their poor brothers and sisters, their whatever, you know, their their female sisters, their male brothers, all of, you know, throw all of that out there. It feels difficult. It, it is difficult for me to be able to say, oh, yeah, you love your neighbor as well as I do. And I have to check that. And that's super hard. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, you know, they are. It's, you know, look, we don't know what people are doing in their local context based on social media. You know, now some, right. you know, probably need to go back and read, uh, what is it, Matthew 6, where, you know, Jesus talks about not letting your, you know, good, like, you know, not advertising your good. Uh, we really need to, uh, we really need to take note of that. But at mm. the same time, it's like just because somebody opposes a certain methodology, right? Or let's say even, let's say, no, I can't, I can't support Black Lives Matter. Then, it, you know, then there's this, again, with the swift judgments. Oh, you know, you don't, that means you don't support Black Lives Matter. No, a lot of times that's not the case. It's saying, if we're going to love neighbor, we can't ride this train of, you know, the secular theories. If we're going to love neighbor first, let's love neighbor in our local context. And I, you know, I saw a tweet uh, today and give me a minute while I pull it up because it really, it really hit, hit home for me. Mm. Um, Twitter can do that, right? It, every Just now and then, you and... know, you, you come across um, a lot of junk, but then every now and then <laughs> you get that one, it's like, whoa. Mm-hmm, it preaches. And here it is. Here it is. If you can't actually name slash tell me about the actual neighbors God has placed adjacent to your living quarters and what you've actually done to minister to them, you are hereby disqualified from even participating in a discussion about what love your neighbor means in 2020. Now, now again, now we can make the assumption that people aren't doing that, but, but to this person's point it's like yeah we can you know we can get real you know uh super holy and righteous on twitter about what that means but it's like what are you doing in your actual context because that's where i think it really matters and that's where i think these discussions get lost because we do debate on you know an ideological uh, on an uh, ideological basis and an intellectual level, but it's like, what are you actually doing? You know, beyond your Twitter activism. So, yeah. so that's where I, you know, I have to push back, or not push back, but 
But yeah, I would say push back when I hear criticisms of, oh, you don't you don't support racial justice. Well, of course that I, I do, but how are we defining what that looks like? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's that's where that's where it matters. So yeah, I get it on the other end in terms of um, you know, because I'm critical of, you know, of some of the um contemporary paradigms that I don't care. You know, I don't care about black lives. And I will say this too, as a and especially as someone who leans politically conservative, that, you know, this is a charge that is frequently lobbied at black conservatives. You know, you don't care, you know, you just want to tap dance for white people. And I'm like, that no. I mean there may be some to do, but at the heart of this, it, like it's it's the caring for black lives. But at the same time, looking at what others are saying that means and saying, no, that is not the way we care about black lives. And that's why we really need to be careful with our accusations about others. Well, and I think, I mean, you've touched on this a couple of times. What you just said is, is, you know, not only is politics always local, but um, real conversation that that moves us forward is also local. Mm -hmm. Uh, And local can mean different things, right? So it doesn't have to mean just exactly where you live, but maybe it also means the sphere that you live in. Right. Right. So um, one of the things, for example, that I see a lot that is unhelpful is when, um, you know, we see something going on in a denomination, for example, that's completely disconnected from ours and we start lobbing bombs. Listen, that ain't local. What about your denomination? What about your local church? What about the work that you're doing? You know, how are you helping move your church or your um, your denomination towards greater, either greater faithfulness to loving your neighbor or greater faithfulness to loving the Lord? Like, how are you working there locally in your context, even denominationally? Um, but then especially in your local church. Uh, I am a... Before anything else, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a husband, I'm a father, I'm a churchman. Like that, that order. I love the church. And the church is local church, then regional, then right. national. That's kind of how I, I view things. So it's how are you working with the people in your local church on these issues? How are you loving the people in the pews that you're sitting with or that you're preaching to um, to navigate some of the more difficult things going on in our culture and in our society. Because, listen, if you're all about your keyboard, keyboard warrior platform, but you're not actually engaging and loving the people who are immediately around you in your local church, if, if you're willing to get really, really loud in social media mm-hmm. but stay silent mm-hmm. in your local church... Um, now I'm not saying you walk in and start flipping tables over, but where are the conversations? Where's going to the person you're not sure you agree with? Where's sitting down, breaking bread together, praying together, worshiping together, and then discussing together? Like if, if all of this is to be lived out in the love of Christ, well, the love of Christ is demonstrated every day, most beautifully in his local church. And we tend to ignore that when we get into these issues and we try and hit the streets, either physical streets or social media streets. Social media streets. <laughs> but, you know? you know, and it's it's both sides of the 
equation, right? So I, I can see where that is applicable, right? So the person who has a very narrow definition of the gospel and is, you know, adamantly opposed to anything related to social justice and, you know, in, in doing the keyboard, you know, warriorism against, you know, these people who are tearing down the gospel. Okay, but then how are you loving people when, you know, in your local context? What happens when you do see disparities, right? Well, if, if there's like some blatant racism going on in your church, and unfortunately that still happens, mm -hmm. you know, are you, are you know, are you, are you quiet about it, you know, or... Are you, and again, that's where I say you have to find out where people are coming from because it is, is it the methodology you disagree with? Or are you really just opposed to helping your neighbor, loving your neighbor? Mm. Um, and so, and that goes also for the, the keyboard, you know, I hate this. I'm actually, there are a few terms I'm really beginning to despise. Social justice warrior and woke. Are two terms. I am just <laughs> really. I've I've just had it, uh, and I I, I, I will explain why probably in another episode. But you know the the ones that are labeled the social justice warrior, the ones that are like as you know we we need racial justice and we need you know. So what are you doing in your local context, right? What's going on? Mm. Are you engaged in conversations with the police department, right? Yeah. Um, you know, what What are you doing on the ground? Or is it all just show for social media? Absolutely. And and I think, you know, one of the things that we really want to uh, press in on here is that the, the love that we claim to have for the Lord is evidenced in the love that we have for our brother and sister, right? And, and this is where Again, that charge of you don't love the Lord well enough. And this is something that I can hear both my conservative brothers and sisters and my liberal brothers and sisters saying, oh, well, the other side, quote unquote, does not love the Lord well enough. Um, I, I want to see less and less accusation of that and more and more demonstration of the love that we have. This is similar to like um, what James is saying, right? You can tell me all day about your faith. I'm going to show you my faith by my works, right? And, and we have, again, it, I, I love First John because it's constantly reminding me of the importance of love. Uh, and he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also, like this is imperative on top of imperative, must also love their brother and sister. And I think one of the things that we want to be able to demonstrate is regardless of the position we have, are we loving the people in our circles well, or are we only loving those who happen to agree with us on these issues? Uh, because there is no asterisk after love your brother and sister. There is no disclaimer that says, unless they prefer uh, somebody like Thomas Sowell over, you know, uh, Abram Kendi. Mm -hmm. Right. Like you don't have to have your favorite authors in line to be able to love your brother and sister well. Uh, but I think we've gotten so polarized in our society and that has so seeped into the church and saturated the church in such unhealthy, unbiblical ways. We have forgotten to love our brothers and sisters that we have to bear with, that we have to um, forgive, that we have to endure with. We've forgotten how to love each other well. Right. 
And, and so I'll give you, so let me just speak on this a little bit on why I have an issue with the word woke. Because okay, of the very... I was going to let you do this another episode, but here we definition go. ...definition of what it means. and But it ties into what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, because the, you know, if you look at what's going on in our broader culture, right? The, you know, kind of the shutdown of conversation, um, you know, everything is racialized. There's no, there's little reasoning. It's, you know, you have to capitulate to our side. I mean, there's clearly a, there, there's no Christian demonstration at all. You know, it's all about our rights for our particular whatever sociological position, right? Yeah. And so those folks, you know, they're not interested in loving God. They're interested in having their agenda. Those folks are called woke. Well, so are the Christians who are committed to the gospel, committed to scripture, that have an eye on, you know, issues on social issues and, and uh, issues of social justice, but they love God. They're just trying, they're doing their best to love God, love neighbor, and they're committed to what, you know, to what scripture says. Well, they're also called woke. So now what we've done is we've lumped in (laughs) the, you know, the, the Christian, our brothers and sisters in Christ, who we don't agree on these issues. Now we've lumped them in with non-believers. You know, listen. There's a di- there's a difference, a stark difference between look, you're 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 either the people of God or you're not the people of God, right? That yeah, that's at clearly outlined in scriptures. And when it comes to the the body of Christ, the the fact that we are we have a shared union in Christ, we need to give that you know some serious weight. And that's my biggest issue. With you know, with calling folks woke, well, what do you? So, are you saying that they're not Christian? Are you saying that they're, you know, that their methods are not Christian? It it gets confusing, and it's the at you know, and it in and the accusations become very easy and uncharitable. I think easy is the biggest word there. It is easy to use these labels. We I think we have gotten intellectually lazy when it comes to working through our disagreements with fellow brothers and sisters. And so there's a nice, easy label. Listen, I'm going to be honest. I don't think I have ever described myself as a social justice warrior. I don't think I have ever, I mean, maybe I have, because I say this and now I'm going to get somebody throwing something. Okay. I don't remember calling myself. (laughs) See, at 56, that's that's my line. I don't know. I just don't remember. (laughs) <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> I'm just going to leave that alone. Um, but I also, I don't remember ever self-describing myself as woke. This is ordinarily, uh, I mean, it didn't maybe used to be this way a few years ago, but ordinarily these are accusations or these are uh, poking fun at and, oh, they think they're woke uh, you know, in the quotation marks and the mocking tone. Um, when we use these labels... It's easier to dismiss people because what the label does is it dehumanizes the person. They're no longer somebody with complex patterns of thought. They're no longer somebody who have really been wrestling with the issues. They're not a person with loved ones who love others. They are now just a label. They've been dehumanized, and now I can easily dismiss and ridicule them because of the label I've landed on them. And, And here's the thing. It is very tempting to do this. 
because these conversations and this work is exhausting. Mm -hmm. This is exhausting work. I think we both said last time, one of the reasons why we waited so long to even get into these issues is because they're, they're not fun for us. They're tiring. They're exhausting. We feel obligated to talk about this, but it is exhausting work. And then it becomes easier then to get lazy, just label somebody so we can dehumanize and reject them and dismiss them as, you know, outside of the bounds of the kingdom. Um, the problem is that's incredibly sinful and hurtful and uh, it's just beneath the calling of the Christian. Yeah. Amen. So we are kind of, we're getting close. We're going to dive in, I think, starting next week. So, you know, we have kind of a, uh, a bit of an outline of where we're going to try and go. We have an idea of some of the people we want to try and maybe even interview uh, to talk, help us talk through some of these issues. The goal at every point is to remain in the love of Christ with one another. And so what we're going to do next week, and one of the tools that I found most helpful is the tool of lament. Now, um, I have even heard lament mocked a little bit, uh, which is just kind of, um, I don't even know what to do with that because I, I can't think of a more biblical concept than lament. This is shot through the Psalms. This is an entire book called Lamentations. Um, lament is a biblical Christian. Uh, we, we own this and we ought to do it more. And lament, I think, I agree with an author called Mark, I think, I believe I'm saying his name right. I completely am going to butcher this. Mark Vrogop, I believe is his name, who wrote a book called Weep With Me. I commend that to, uh, to listeners to pick that up and read it. He, he argues that lament really is our way forward, provides us a language that helps us start the conversation of racial reconciliation. Language is so important in these conversations because... Um, there's so many different definitions and, you know, what does this person mean by this word? And that can fundamentally change everything <laughs> in the conversation. So next week, we're going to talk a lot about wh what is lament? How is lament helpful? How is it appropriate? And why is it a good starting point for where we're going? But before we enter that conversation next week, Lisa, do you have any kind of final words about love, about the way love should inform our dialogue with one another about issues of race, racism, social justice. Right. And understand. So a couple, couple of lingering thoughts. One is just as committed as you believe you are to God and committed to scripture. So is that other person mm. that you disagree with. Right. Don't assume. Perhaps even more so. Perhaps even more so. Take the humble Sit sit lower yeah. than the other. Sit lower, yeah. And then the other thing is, you know, one of the things that I've noticed in the discourse, in the vitriol, it's just a lack of humility. It's assuming mm. I know what that other person thinks. I know that other person's position, really, based on a couple of tweets. Right. Mm, you know, uh -oh. I, you yep. know, I know, and I know that though, you know, that that person is, they, you know, again, getting back to the assumption that they don't have the same love and commitment that I do. Um, listen, we see through a glass dimly. We have blind mm. spots and we need to pray about those blind spots. 
we all have them. And, you know, we're very, we're so, it's so easy to point out the blind spots of others. But listen, there's a reason that Jesus made the comparison of the log and the speck. Because yeah. we have our own and we need to be humble. And I don't mean just like a, you know, a vanity hum humility, right? Yeah, okay, because that's hmm. supposed to be the posture of the Christian. I mean, really take ownership of the fact that, you know what, I may be missing something. I may be letting my experiences, my concerns overshadow how I should really be seeing this. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that that is how, you know, we, we abuse and misuse this idea of iron sharpening iron. Um, one of the primary ways that we are sharpened is we allow ourselves to be sharpened by, by thinking, hey, Maybe this sister, maybe this brother does have something for me that I don't know. Maybe there are blind spots. Maybe there are patterns of thinking that are out of step with the pattern of thinking of Christ. And maybe she or he is going to be able to help me grow in this area. Um, we become very defensive, but it's hard to love the other when we are defensive. It's hard to love the person in front of you when you are defensive. And... Um, you know, I have spent this entire episode preaching to myself, um, and, and I think it's important that all of us take a deep breath, especially, I mean, listen, election season, okay. you know what I mean? All of us take a deep breath and reconsider, am I, am I marked by the love that God has for me? Am I marked by the love demonstrated to me in the sacrifice of Christ, in the rescue of Christ? Or am I marked by something else? If I'm not marked by love, that means that does. I'm not saying you're not saved, but I am saying if we are not marked by love, then maybe we are not living into our identity as a child of God, but rather living into a false identity, the the identity we had when we were children of Adam or even children of the devil. And so, love each other well, y'all. Love each other according to how the scriptures teach us to love. That's all we have for you today. We thought that love deserved its own episode. Next week, we dive into what does it mean to lament? Why is lament a helpful starting place for uh, our conversations around racism? So we love you. Thank you for being with us. We'll see you again next week on the next episode of Family Discussion. Bye now. Well, thank you again for joining us for this week's Family Discussion. If you'd like to learn more or catch up on episodes you missed, head on over to our home at reformedmargins.com. There you'll find great content about a whole host of issues that we pray will bless your relationship with Jesus, including articles written by Lisa Spencer and me, Marcos Ortega. Family Discussion is a podcast of Reform Margins, a site dedicated to providing a platform for people of color to engage the larger Reformed and Evangelical conversations. Your hosts are Marcos Ortega and Lisa Spencer. Our producer is Larry Lynn. Family Discussion is hosted by Podbean and recorded with Audacity. If you like what you heard today, it would be a great help to us if you gave a quick review and rating on iTunes. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to your favorite content so that you don't miss our next Family Discussion. <laughs>